What's up, Batty Bees? I'm Brianna, mom, wife, serial entrepreneur, and host of the Badass Basic Bitch podcast. Each week, I sit down with a seemingly ordinary woman who's doing extraordinary things, and I get to share her story with you. So let's go. Buckle up as we're going to get real and dive into the shit nobody talks about. Welcome to the Batty Bee Club. The other benefit of 529 is like for this baby, I started her 529 basically at conception, right? Because I knew she was coming come into the world. You can start a 529 early. You just make yourself the beneficiary and then you change the beneficiary over later. And you can do that at any time. The thing I did was to make sure that everything I listened to, everything I read, I took at least one actionable thing from there. Just start today. And then anytime you're learning about something, just take one actionable um, thing from that and just implement it because I feel like we have analysis paralysis. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Basic Bitch. On today's episode, we are joined by Nasima McElroy, a mom, author, podcast host, labor and delivery nurse, and a personal finance enthusiast. So today we are going to be talking all about her journey from paying off debts to investing and what it means to live intentionally. So Nasima, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for that lovely intro. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So, you know, I'm a labor and delivery nurse by trade, but 13 years. And finally, when my um, daughter was turning one, I was like, I got to figure out this money thing. And people thought I knew um, a lot about money because I always knew how to make money. Um, But you realize that making money doesn't equate to actually being good with money. So I had to kind of figure out on my own, like, what it meant to really build wealth. And along that journey, realizing that I needed to focus on paying off debt and then um, invest. And, you know, a lot of these things weren't taught to us. And so just figuring out what worked for me was a challenge initially. But once I got started, I um, like went hard in the paint and paid off a million dollars in debt in under three years and was able to grow my net worth from that negative number to uh, multiple six figures um, in that time as well. So yeah, along that journey, I realized that it was not that hard. It was just concepts that we're not often taught, but concepts that people need to know. And so I started my platform, Financially Intentional, to educate people along my path. Yeah. I love that because there are some people that are like, okay, I want to pay off my debt and I want to be financially free, right? Um, but you're taking it one step further. You're like, okay, I figured this out and now I want to educate other people whether that's men, women, whoever want to listen, I, I want to educate them on how to also do this, that you can also do it. So you paid off under uh, just under a million dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us that pivotal like moment or mindset that motivated you to even start? Because that feels overwhelming, you know? Like what even prompted you to do that? Well, you have to kind of understand, like, I'm telling you this now in hindsight, and I actually didn't even add up the numbers um, (laughs) while I was doing it. I just knew I wasn't in a good financial place. And I knew that I had debt and that the debt was what was hindering me from really being able to build wealth. Or, and it was just a, educa- a lack of education around it. And so um, that pivotal moment came 
when it was my daughter's first birthday, I was a single mom and I was like, if something happened to me, I don't know what would mm. what would happen to my daughter. Like I need to just like figure this out. Like I need to like grow up real quick. <laughs> You know, and it was like the first time I had not been like in school full time or working like two jobs like crazy. And so I, I hadn't I had a lull. And so I was like, I'm going to use this time that I would have dedicated to pursuing my education to gaining some financial acumen. Mm. And so like what strategies or steps did you take to start to tackle some of this? Because people are like, OK, yeah, I, I would love to do that. But how do I start? Right. So um, I just started diving into the world of personal finance, like head first. I listened to the pot, all the podcasts and all the books. Um, but the thing I did was to make sure that everything I listened to, everything I read, I took at least one actionable thing from mm-hmm. there. And so the things that I did initially was, first of all, most people just don't know what's going in and coming out and having a really good understanding of that. And that for me meant learning how to budget really, really well. And um, I use zero-based budgeting, which means that every single dollar of my income is accounted for in advance. And that includes paying off debt, investing. And um, then I was like, I, I followed Dave Ramsey's methodology of the debt snowball. So I listed out all my debts from smallest balance to largest balance and focused on the sp- smallest balance first and just started attacking those, freeing up more money for me to be able to p- put towards the the remaining debt. And so um, the debt snowball and zero-based budgeting was really my foundation to being able to pay off that debt. Let me just tell you, a million dollars in debt sounds like crazy numbers. Uh, like I said, I still <laughs> I hadn't added it up. I knew I had a lot of student loans. I had almost $200,000 in student loans. And other than that, it was just like normal debt to me. You had the house, the car, the um, just the regular bills, the loans you take out. Um, so I, it, it wasn't anything abnormal. And I want to also preference this by saying that million dollars did include my house and I live in the San Francisco Bay area, (laughs) California. (laughs) So, you know, at that time, the medium home price was like $750,000 to just put it in perspective. So, yeah, I mean, debt is debt. It doesn't matter if it comes from a house or a school loan, it's debt, right? Um, Exactly. And a lot of people I do find are, are starting to take out home equity loans or second mortgages. And it's like, even if your home is valued at that, they're still they're still borrowing against something that they don't technically have. So it all counts into your debt. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Exactly. When, you, when you were doing all this, were you also investing? Like was investing part of your strategy at the time? That's an excellent question because actually that was one of my mistakes because I was mm. kind of following Dave Ramsey's methodology. And within his methodology, he says that you don't invest while you're paying off debt. And so before I had started on this journey, um, one of my coworkers had kind of told me like, you know, you just want to at least put 10% in your retirement account. And I had been doing that. But when I was like going hard into paying, like I was going hard and paying off my debt, I stopped investing um, during that time. I got married, then got a divorce. It was abusive marriage. And when it came to pay taxes, so it was came time to pay taxes because I am a high earning nurse in the Bay Area. I owe $30,000 on my taxes that if I would have invested, like maxed out my 403B and my 457 at work, then 
I would have dropped my taxable income, wouldn't have to pay that. So not only did I miss out on those contributions, mm. I also had to pay the IRS $30,000. So that was yeah. like my $80,000 mistake is what I yeah. called it because that's how much it cost me in a couple of years. Yeah, totally. Um, so is that like something as a lesson learned that you want to tell people is like, you have to think of it in a bigger picture. And I love that you said that you did a call out in terms of like, if I had paid more into my 401k, that would have lowered my bracket. I would have been taxed differently. Like, it's not just like, oh, here's this money. Now I'm going to put it in stocks. Like there's, it's like strategic thinking, right? Yeah. And I think it's hard to be dogmatic when it comes to personal finances. And that's what people just want you to tell them. Like, and that's why Dave Ramsey is so popular because he has this formula and then you just do X, Y, and Z. But yeah, but personal finance is personal. But what I tell people is, is that investing is about time in the market and not timing the market. And so Mm. the sooner you're able to invest, the better. And even if it's just a little bit, you should be investing even while paying off debt. And so my call out is usually like, at least try to max a Roth IRA. If that's the minimum you're going to invest, at least do that. If you are employed, at least invest up to the company match and then worry about paying off debt because you're not going to be able to get back that time. And the more you invest earlier on, the less you have to invest overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I was also previously married and divorced. And in part of my negotiation, I was like, I want as much of the 401ks as possible because that you can never make up that time. And I ended up getting like over 75%. And I was like, that was just so smart of me because now I'm looking at it. I'm like, I can never, I, it's money that I can't touch. I'm not going to have, but I'm going to be so thankful for it in 30 years when it's time to retire. And I'm like, thank God I did that. Um, Cause you just can't get it back. I like, how did you know to do that? <laughs> Most people don't get that. Uh, Most people are looking at like cash in hand, like immediate, like this is what I need. But like, how did you, how are you able to understand that? That was so valuable. Well, I had my own businesses for so much time. And so I didn't have 401ks and my ex had a 401k. So I got to see what it was like him growing his 401ks over our time together. And from seeing the bounce, like I looked at all of the sheets and I was like, and I also accepted that I am never, I can only put so much money in a 401k every year, right? But if I divorce and I take that 401k and I continue to add in, like I'm golden. So I just, I think it was just knowing that you can never, like if I made $100,000 extra one month, that could not just go into a 401k, right? It can go into an IRA. It can go into a SEP IRA. It can go into all of these other things, but it just can't go into a 401k. I also know that I was going to continue to have my own businesses. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to have that luxury of a 401k every time. So I need to be strategic there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But it's a great point. It's like you're, you're, you're working And you're not going to be able to add back. You're not going to ever be able to add back the time that you lost. So if you aren't starting Mm -hmm. to do 401ks, like work that, max that out. Also, I love that it's not taxed right now and it lowers your bracket. So to me, that was a no-brainer, right? Um, Yes, yes. 
The other thing that I learned, and I would love to hear your opinion on it, is for people with children, I have four. So there are a lot of investment account options available for children, one being the 529. Um, but what benefits and what are your recommendations around more of a long-term savings for whether it's financial education or what have you for children? I love uh, talking about kids' um, savings and retirement accounts because I think they have such a long trajectory to go. So their money, just a little bit of money, like I said, can go a really long way. The thing I like to preface this with before I give this advice is the best thing you could ever do for your kids is make sure that you're set up financially first. Because even if you do set them up financially and then they got to take care of you, it's kind of a wash, right? So um, I, I recommend people don't start investing for their kids until they meet those minimum things I'm talking about. Like at least start investing in your company up to the match. At least you're um, maxing out a Roth IRA and you have a debt payoff plan mm-hmm. and you're actively doing that. Then you can start investing for your kids. So yeah. as far as investing accounts, my kids have three. Um, so they have the 529 and I got advice, um, earlier on in my journey to fund my daughter's 529 up to a hundred thousand dollars. Um, my oldest and my, uh, I have three girls. Um, my oldest daughter is nine, my middle daughter is four. And then I have my baby who just turned two months today, actually. And (laughs) so the nine-year-old and the four-year-old both have enough in their account to where at 18, they'll each have a hundred thousand dollars. So that those accounts will at least go to 30, uh, at least go to a $200,000 and combine for both of them. The beauty around a 529 is the money that you put in it grows tax-free. When you take it out, it's tax and penalty free. I love that. And you can transfer um, the beneficiary. So say my daughter is like, you know what? My oldest daughter, whose um, money has been in the account the longest, I don't really want to go to um, college. I want to do something else. I say, okay, that's fine. So now that money shifts down to her sister. And then it shifts down to the other sister. And so that's the benefit of a 529. Um, the other benefit of a 529 is like for this baby, I started her 529 at basically at conception, right? Because yeah. I knew she was coming come into the world and you can you can start a 529 early. You just make yourself the beneficiary and then you change the beneficiary over later. And you can do that oh, at any time. So that's okay. the benefit of a 529. People are always like, well, well they don't want to go to college. I look at I look at it as a generational wealth building tool. So that's her 529, college savings. You can also use it to pay off loans later on. You can use it for trade school. You can use it for K through 12 education. And now last year they implemented. So once the account has been in, once the money has been in an account for 13 years, like it will be for all of my kids, um, at that point, you can take $30,000 of that and put it into a retirement account, which I will probably take some of that and put it in a retirement account. And just that $30,000 in a retirement account at 18, if you leave it there, is almost six figures. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's almost, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, almost a million dollars in their retirement account. Yeah, like by the time they retire. Their 60s. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that it's like a no-brainer. 529, no-brainer. It's like a no-brainer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so then they have Roth IRAs because they generate income because they work for me. So when you see posts with my kids in it, they work for financially intentional. So you can justify as long as they have an earned income 
um, funding a Roth IRA for them. And it can only be up to the Roth IRA max, which is 6,500 or the max that they can actually like legally work to. Right. So if your kid is only making a thousand dollars a year, just put, don't put more than a thousand dollars in there. Right. Yeah. Because it's not going to make sense. Right. After that. So, uh, I fund their Roth every year and then they have a brokerage account. And in this brokerage account, I use that as their way of learning how to invest. So I use an app called Stockpile, which um, I only use just because of the way the app works. It's friendly for kids who, like my four-year-old, can't read, right? But she can identify the McDonald's sign Instead, she doesn't know what the McDonald's stock symbol looks like, the ticker symbol looks like, but she knows what a McDonald's sign is. And so in the app, she can pick the investments that she wants to um, invest in. And so that's my way of kind of gamifying investing and making my kids know that they're owners and not consumers. And then they actually compete against each other. So I have a set amount of automated money that goes in there every month, anywhere from $20 to $100 a month. And um, once that money hits their account, I say, what do you want to invest in? They look at the account and they say, okay, I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick that. Um, and it's based off of the things that they know and understand. So they know that they're owners in this co- in these companies. They also compete against each other for returns. Mm-hmm. My, my youngest daughter always wins somehow. I don't know. <laughs> But it's a way to gamify investing. And now they understand investing. (laughs) And it's funny because they think everybody understands investing. (laughs) But I didn't understand investing until I was 36. But to make it accessible to them, that's the way that I did it because I just wanted to bring it down to their level. Yeah, I use an app similar. It's called Greenlight. But what's really Mm -hmm. cool is um, I tie their chores to it. And so they can go in and click off the chores and each of them have a dollar amount. And then the money we decided on like percentage of like what gets invested, what goes to savings, what goes to spending. And so much like your little ones, mine compete. Um, And somehow my middle child has like a 56% return in her stocks. And I'm like, God, I wish I picked yours. Jeez, girl. (laughs) She she was deep in Tesla. She was like deep in Tesla. And I'm like, I kind of, I should have listened to you. Um, But it's but My kids are too, because we have Tesla. I have a Tesla. We have a Tesla Solar. Like, you know, so they're heavy in the Tesla game. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, like you make so much money off that Tesla stock. I should have done that. But it's really... Really cool because I I think you said something that I completely agree with. It's like I didn't learn how to invest either until my 30s. And my kids now understand the concepts of what that means, what a stock is, why you don't like, teaching them like she saw, she was like, Oh my God, look, mom, I made a hundred dollars in two weeks. I want to take that money out. I'm like, Mm-mm, that's not what investing is about. It's not quick cash. Mm-hmm. It's long term. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing that. And so teaching them like at six, seven, eight, nine, you know, that it's going to be so amazing for them um, in the long run. So I love that you guys do that as well. Curious, because you said, and this might be great for some some people that own businesses, and not a lot of people know this, that you can pay your children up to, I think it's like $14,000 each a year, I think. But what you're saying, and I love this, is like, don't invest more into the IRA that they're actually being paid. And your business has to show 
that the money is going into their account, they have like actual, I don't know if it's a W-2. I think earned it's income. A, yeah. They don't have to have a W-2. It just has to be like, you have to prove that they're earning the income some yeah. kind of way because it could, it could be babysitting and you don't get a, a W-2 from babysitting, right? You just have to be able to prove it. Yeah. But if, so that's two different things. I, I, I want to call that oh. out a little bit. Because it, it's two different things. Okay. So you can write off a certain amount of your business expenses in paying your children. So that's what you're talking about. Yes. I'm just talking about any bit child, even if you don't have a business and your child has an earned income, they can contribute to a retirement account. So that's that's two different things. So you can be doing both <laughs> if you have a business. Right? I didn't realize that's two. So if I so I do have a business. I do pay mm-hmm. my kids for like like you said Instagram posts. I have my son mm-hmm. clicking on links and copying data, pasting it in. So he does work. But you're saying this is something different mm-hmm. than than that. Yeah, this is their own, own own earned income. So I don't even do it under my business because most of my taxes come out of my um, my job paycheck. So my yeah. W two, my well, yeah, my W two so income. So yeah, I just do it as like they're they work for they work for me, but not like they don't work for financially. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like they're yeah. just doing work for me. On their own. So it's like their own little mini businesses. And so you can do that. Anybody can do that without having a business up to the gift tax level, which is, but the gift tax level is like, what, $14,000 or something like that, like what you're saying. But um, you can't do it more than what the Roth max is, which is $6,500. Okay. Super fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check that because I did not realize that. Um, And I love that idea. So what are, what other factors should individuals consider when choosing what right investment vehicles suit their financial goals, risk tolerance, et cetera? You know what? I like to keep it simple. And I'm from Oakland, so I say hella simple. We keep it hella simple, okay? (laughs) So it's been like people trying to beat the market since the market existed, right? And I say, and statistics have proven that most people don't beat the market. And if they do beat the market, they'll beat the market one year and then they'll be lower than the market. So I just say invest in the market. And so I'm an index fund, like, like being like, that's what I do. Like I'm index fund groupie, like index funds means that you're just trying to invest in the whole market and it's, it's instant diversification. Um, You're owning the companies that you know, Um, You're owning the Teslas, Apples, Googles, all of that stuff all in one. The thing that you don't have to worry about versus like individual stocks, like say Tesla messes up, you know, Elon likes to mess up. He's a good, he's a good person. (laughs) As an example, and everybody's like, you know what? Tesla is falling off the face of the earth. Like we're not messing with Tesla anymore. Like instead of you losing all your money because you invested in Tesla, it'll just be replaced by Apple or Microsoft or the next best thing automatically Mm -hmm. in there. And so you're not stressing out about like losing all your money. So the only way you're going to like lose all your money in index funds is if the whole market crashes. And that's not even like, I'm talking about like end of the world, like doomsday. It's not even like the depression when the market went down. Because actually people who stayed invested in that are the ones who have trillions of dollars. Same for now. COVID. Same for COVID. Yes. Like if you it's if you exactly took your money girl. out at the bottom, that's what you shouldn't do that. But if you stayed in and rose back up, like literally six months later, it was back even. So it's like yeah, investing I love to show is like the yeah. charts. Like yes. if you if you look at a chart 
of the stock market over time, you'll see it just like grows, um, grows, grows and grows and grows and grows. And then you'll look at like big recessions. You'll look at COVID. You'll just see a little dip and then boom, right back up. You look at the housing market crash in the uh, ninth, in the 2008, you know, 2008. It's like a blip, boom, and went up crazy. So that's why I like to tell people index fund investing is super simple, super easy. It's something that you can do um, with minimal money and you just automate it. Because like I said, just the important thing is to get started and to automate it and just don't think about it and set a minimum. Um, I like um, accounts like Fidelity because Fidelity has index funds that you can buy for no fees. So you, and it's minimum, it's no minimums. Some of them have like, you know, older investment uh, companies used to have like you know, $3,000, $5,000 to set up your account. And so it was a huge barrier to entry. During COVID, all of those barriers fell down and investing is so much more accessible now. And so I tell people, you know, open a Fidelity account, aim to um, open a Roth IRA, set a, a, put some money in it today, and then just set a minimum amount, start building those investment muscles and then learn as you go. Then you can learn to do more. Like me, I max out. So I work in a government job. So I have a 403B. So 403B, which is 20,000, well, 22,000 now, right a year. Then a, a 457 on top of that, which is another 22,000, right? So that drops my taxable income, 47,000. Then I do a Roth IRA. So I'm not telling you you have to do that, but to baby step it until you can get to that yeah. point because you only have to do that for a certain amount of years and then work becomes optional for you because now those investment accounts are able to pay you and you don't have to work. So um, I'm a huge proponent of having the um, ability to retire early if you want to. Technically, it's like just not having to worry about a job that you don't like to bring you income. It's more about like building a life by design and knowing that you don't have to worry about your finances and that frees up so much space and capacity in your mind to live the life that you deserve. Yeah, I love that. And so where can people find you in case they want to learn more or have additional questions, continue the conversation? Like where are you at? I hang out on Instagram mostly. Um, so I'm at Financially Intentional on Instagram. I'm always giving free gems, dropping jewels there. And I always give, uh, I'm like, I like to be the conduit of knowledge. So if there's something that I'm learning or something that I feel like you can benefit from, it's always there. So yeah, check me out on Instagram, financiallyintentional.com. And I also have a Financially Intentional podcast where I bring guests to talk about these things too. So you don't just have to hear it from me. <laughs> And then if you could give anyone listening one piece of advice from today's episode, what would it be? Start today. Start today. Just start today. And then anytime you're learning about something, just take one actionable um, thing from that and just implement it. Because I feel like we have analysis paralysis and we wait when <laughs> we could just be doing the thing and then make and then learning along the way. So just start. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Badass Basic Bitch. And thank you to Saw and Sign, our production studio. We'll see you next week. <laughs>